Hello and welcome to another episode of AdventuresIn.net. I'm Sean Clebury, your host, and with me today are your two co-hosts, Wailu. Hey, Sean. Hey, Doug. Good. And Caleb Wells. Hey, Caleb. Hey, gentlemen. How's it going? You guys catching any of the uh, the Olympics? Good. Yeah, I should I be. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? You're busy programming? You know, that's well. It's actually. Too- oh yeah, a, a little too busy. But I heard something on the radio this morning that this may be one of the lowest ratings or lowest viewed Olympics in like you know years and years. But they're expecting this to be the most watched Super Bowl on Sunday. So wow. I yeah. think it's not enough time between the the last Olympic. I feel like the the one that the Tokyo one was only like like a year ago. Yeah, because it was delayed. Because it was because of COVID. Yeah. Yes. So that that messed up the flow. <laughs> we're, we're not expecting. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. I've been catching bits and pieces of it, but not really watching it. Uh, sitting there cool. watching it all day long. But good. So let's uh, welcome our guest. Let's welcome Mohammed Lowend. Welcome, Mohammed. Hello, everyone. Hey. Hey, Sean. Hello. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? Good. Good, thank you. Good, good. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there. And we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. All right. So why don't you start off telling us a little bit about yourself, kind of what you do and how you got into development and how you got into .NET. So uh, basically, I have roughly around 14 years of experience of development under my belt. I started programming, well, actually, in the university, I went to university and I decided that I want to study business for some reason, because basically, they tell you business is going to be every, everything you need to study business. After a semester, I decided this is not for me. So I continued my business degree, but uh, while I was doing that, I uh, shifted more into business computing. So you learn programming as well as you learn some of the business concepts. So it was really a nice, interesting uh, balance between the two. But not long after, I decided to jump fully into programming. So as when, before I even finished my degree, I just decided to apply for an internship. And from that, led to full-time job when I was uh, studying uh, business. And within that company, they uh, there were different projects that uh, they were offering. And before that, I only knew uh, C++ because that's all they teach in universities. And they were like, okay, do you want to go the .NET route or do you want to go the PHP route? And I was like, I always heard bad things about PHP. So let me go with the .NET. <laughs> let me go with the .NET route from the beginning. And I uh, haven't looked back since then. I experimented with PHP. It's a good language. but yeah. uh, Well, we funny. think you made the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Good, good. 
All right. So our our topic for today, I think we're going to talk about gRPC. So can you kind of give us an introduction to what it is? So uh, gRPC, if you want to think about it, it's like alternative uh, to REST API. So basically, gRPC stands for for Google Remote Procedure Calls, which is basically a fancy way of saying like it's a, a new updated version of the old RPC that we used to have a few years ago. And basically, Google added its own favoring on top of that and made it basically a bit better. So back, I think, 2014 or 15, the Cloud Foundation took it off Google or basically Google Google presented to them and they accepted it as a project. They incubated and now it grew much more. And once they did that, a lot of the big companies decided, okay, this seems very interesting. Let us now invest our time in developing it and basically build the standards of that. And they took it from there. And that's why when .NET picked it up gRPC, I think back in .NET 3.1, I think it was the first version or I could be wrong. But basically from that moment on, a lot of the big companies decided to develop this because it's open source framework from that moment forward. And basically from that moment, moment it's became more like a much more wider utilized and it has the same concept if you want to think about it uh, similar as rest so you have a server side and you have a client side you have someone who's making all of the requests and someone basically was responsible for giving back the information back to the clients so it's a server client server relationship and uh, it all revolves around one main thing which is basically the procedures so and if you, if I'm jumping too much into detail, you can tell me. But I just like wanna explain the details behind it. So, so why? Uh, so, so uh, yeah, let me know, let me just ask you. You know, why why would you choose gRPC yeah. over over REST? And everybody's using REST now. Why make the switch? Or for new projects, why why use gRPC instead of REST? Well, it all depends on the business case. There's no right or wrong answer. And there's no like, oh, you need to use that or you need to drop that. In essence, gRPC gives you a lot of flexibility. So for example, with Rust, you need to actually write your own, uh, you need to handle all of the requests. So for example, you need to handle the JSON that you are sending. You need to handle the serialization. You need to make sure it follows the same format. You need to do your own validation on the object before you send. And once you do, once you send all of that to the server, the server needs to do all of that again to make sure that whatever information that, uh, that the client is sending, it's actually a valid information and there's not basically any uh, problem uh, with it. And you can see here that some of the processing that's going to be taking in order to do all of that. So, for example, a single request, you have two parties who's doing all of this processing. And once you have done this processing between these two parties, then what you're doing is uh, on top of that, you're just processing the request and then you're sending it back to the client and then doing all of that. On the other hand, with the gRPC, you don't have to do really any of that. You have something called a proto file, which is basically your contracts between the client and the server. And this contract is exactly the same on these two. So, for example, if you have for a version on the client which doesn't match the server, you cannot do anything. It must be the same thing. And when you're doing any requests, because this contract is the same and you're not actually handling all of the serialization and the validation because this is all being handled for you by the gRPC framework and this protobuf file, which is the contract that exists between the client and the server, because these two are to get work together simultaneously together, it savings you a lot of time. Another benefit of this is REST serialized, for example, on HTTP 1, while gRPC currently with the latest framework of .NET 6 is already processing HTTP 3. And you can see that the level of flexibility that HTTP 2 and HTTP 3 provide is really way, way better. Specifically, for example, if you're thinking about uh, streaming, you can do two-layer calls, for example, you can send and receive at the same time. So the flexibility of gRPC is uh, much more uh, 
wider. But again, it has its use cases and it's not all like rainbows and sunshine. Yeah, it, it, it almost sounds too good to be so, true there. You know, just use GRPC yeah. instead of REST. There's going to be more to it. You know, like you mentioned, yeah. it works on HTTP2 and HTTP3, but not all browsers will support that. So you can't just no. use it no. for everything. No. And on top of all of that, the main one of, one of the main things that I think REST is really good at is you can it's human readable. So for example, you can actually read the request which is going and you can understand what's going on. GRPC, you cannot do any of that because it's all basically... Uh, yeah, it's binary, isn't handling. it? You cannot really debug it. Yeah, binary. You cannot really actually debug it yourself. You need to actually run the application. You need to have some kind of application where you can actually communicate with, to actually do the debugging if you're running, for example, on production because you cannot debug on production with that. There is some some way around it, but it's not really uh, as easy as just basically debugging as a... So is there ways to use gRPC with things that are in older browsers? There is. uh, Basically, it will fall back. So if it starts with HTTP3, if it doesn't work, it falls back to HTTP2, then it can actually fall back to HTTP1. There's certain... uh, There's certain... uh, What's the word? Backward compatibility. I'm not sure if... uh, Let me see if HTTP1 is still supported. I think they mainly support HTTP2. Yeah, I'm not sure about HTTP1 Uh, because I was trying to use it on a a recent project and to support older browsers, we were going to have to set up some sort of proxy to do the yeah yeah to http1 sorry with the not standard 2.0 uh 1.5 they removed it it only support the two and uh after that but when you mean older browsers like what are we are we talking about older versions aren't most browsers kind of like evergreen are we talking like internet explorer or like the old edge or something like that um so luckily, Edge is now running Chromium, which is basically it's supporting it out of the box. But for example, if you look at other, not the mainstream, but they want to be mainstream, like think of Mist, think of Brave, think of those browsers. They, not all of them have uh, this HTTP2 and the latest HTTP support yet. Or if, even if they have, it's not really fully functional as all of its features. And I'm sure uh, a lot of the corporate clients, unfortunately, they're still utilizing some of them Internet Explorer or the older version of Edge due to security concerns. And those who, if they are working with them, certain internet, you cannot really utilize gRPC because it's not supported there. So you need to think about the, your enterprise clients, which actually mm. who are paying all of the bills. <laughs> and if they're utilizing still, specifically banks, if they're still utilizing gRPC, uh, Internet Explorer, you can actually use this technology with it. Mm. Yeah. So it says that gRPC is doesn't care about the payload, right? It'll take whatever you no. get it or give it. Is it still work best with the the protobuf versus JSON or XML? So basically, that contract that we said is the protofile, which is basically the protobuf. And this is a technology that Google has introduced, which is really cool if you think about it, because it sends binary and you receive back binary. The main downfall is not human readable. You have to rely on the on the framework that you integrate with in order for it to do all of the auto generates of the file, in order for uh, for it to be able to communicate. On the other hand, for example, you can just either as simple as create, opening a browser and put the cat URL, you can see the results back. With gRPC, you don't you cannot even do that. You have to have an application, and that application needs to have the same protobuf file. The main, uh, for in my in my humble point of view, I think the main benefit of it is the speed and reliability. But of protobuf, JSON, the main benefit of it is just the readability and be able to basically have a, a lot more backward compatibility than the rest. Gotcha. That makes sense. So these these protofiles, what's it like to to create one of those? Is it pretty straightforward? You're just kind of 
It's very simple. Well, everything starts simple and then it gets complicated. So basically, you can think about it as a class and yeah, and uh, uh, and functions within the class. You define, for example, your protobuf file, and once you, uh, for example, uh, a protobuf file starts. Let me tell you exactly the right terminology for that. So basically, once you create a protobuf, you need if you if you have worked ever with YAML file, you need to have specified the version of it. So basically, on top you specified the version of the protobuf file, which is basically proto3. And then once you have done that, you need to specify, for example, your service, which is basically the class. And that service basically is going to be the one responsible for basically the class. And you have to put all of the method that you want inside. And once you have done all of that, you can actually put the messages that you want to send or, for example, the model of the file. So, you know, in a class, you have the actions, the functions, you have the models that you want to send and receive. A protofile is similar. You have a surface, which is going to be the class, and you have the models, which is going to be the messages. And basically, you specify all of the information inside those messages. And uh, because it's cross, uh, uh, cross-platform, so you can have a protofile with C++, with Java, with uh, .NET, with basically any language which support uh, gRPC. And that, that's why uh, it has different terminologies, because that file will have to work with all of these different languages simultaneously. So whatever the client is, for example, the client could be C++, and your application could be, your sorry, your server could be in .NET, they can still con- communicate easily. So that's the protofile. And basically within maybe 10 lines of code, you can have your first protofile up and running. So you're saying that this is a an alternative to to REST. Would you also say that this is kind of like like an also an alternative to say something like GraphQL, or is, does it offer more than that? Yes. So it's, as well, GraphQL is a is a replacement of REST to a certain extent. This also fall in the same category. Uh, again, it's not the solution for everything. If, for example, you have, for example, you're building an application and, uh, and it's relying on streaming, for example, you know, with Rust, when you do a call, you send a call to the server, the server will take it, process it, and send back the result as a one package, even if the result is form of 100, uh, 100, for example, object array. On the other hand, with gRPC, let's say you don't want to get this 100 object array all in one go. You want to get it one by one. The gRPC will allow streaming. So as the server is actually processing that request, it can start actually sending you back the result one by one until it's finished. That's called the streaming. So that way you can see you have like a much more of a flexibility and, and much more faster response uh, from there. Again, GraphQL, uh, I experimented with it. It's uh, it's nice, but again, you have to learn it. And all. it's not as easy as well as Rust. So I think it's uh, these three technology can replace each other or they can complement each other as well. So with gRPC, right, it doesn't have, you said it, right, it doesn't do serialization, at least for the proto files, and it doesn't have yeah. headers. So how do you handle things that you would normally expect to get in a header like authentication information or localization stuff? How does gRPC handle that? So this is where the .NET framework comes to place. So you need to, you need to like, for example, let's let's talk about localization. So for example, let's say I want to have uh, my application support English and French. 
And basically, when I send a request, uh, I can send part of my uh, custom service uh, or the method. I can specify the localization that I want I want the response in. Like I can specify French. And once basically that gets to my server, then they actually process it and scans uh, back. So we have to cater for these uh, inside the actual service itself. You can you can actually there's there's workarounds around it, but this is basically the easiest way you can actually get started with localization. When it comes to uh, authorization and authentication, that's a very interesting question. And to be honest with you, the application that I have built uh, with these uh, rely on uh, SAML. So basically, the client will authorize with SAML, get a token, and then basically uh, utilize SSO to get it from, from there. But building it, building a full-fledged, for example, a JWT token and authorizing that token and having to deal with it, I haven't really implemented fully in JRPC that way. But I'm sure there is ways where you can actually implement full authentication, again, relying on the uh, service sir, and the actual service within the protocol file. So in the project that we were trying to use gRPC, we had to set up a proxy using a product called Envoy. Yeah. Is it is it possible to use gRPC yeah. without the proxy and just go straight from the browser to a server? Or is right now you have to use a proxy? You can. You can use it. Again, it all depends on the, what, what are you are trying to build. You can use a proxy. It's recommended to use a proxy with the Envoy. You can use, for example, the name. There was a, there's another proxy which you can actually utilize, which basically do the same thing. What's the other reverse proxy that's really famous? Nginx. We can actually utilize also some kind of Nginx with it in order for you to get it up and running. So don't have really to use Envoy with it. But again, Envoy is really like the best one at the moment. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Well, I've had a little experience with GraphQL, right? And yeah. And again, you're you're having to kind of tilt tilt your world on the side. I know Wise had more than I've had to understand it, right? And the fact that you don't necessarily have specific endpoints for all these different things, and you don't have the same CRUD pattern with gRPC. I'm assuming, right? It doesn't doesn't it's not CRUD oriented either. So, how would you make calls? You can make it. Yeah. Oh, you can. Okay. Yeah, you can make it. So basically, we can think about the service as a class. And that class, for example, can have multiple methods. So we can, for example, have get customer information, add a customer, update a customer. We're not we're not utilizing the attribute patch post get for that. We're just utilizing those methods name. Because basically, once you add the protobuf file to your .NET application, the .NET framework is very smart. What, what is it going to do? It's going to actually auto-generate uh, all of those files. So basically, once you refer back to that file inside your control, inside your uh, controller, for example, or I don't know, inside your uh, program.cs file there, you can just type, for example, 
protobuffile, for example, .cut customer info, you're basically directly linking uh, to the actual protobuffile. So that's basically what's going on there. You can create your own craft structure other than, I know GraphQL doesn't have that, but here you can actually make it whatever you want. So I read that um, the proto file is supported by 12 different languages. Does that actually make it easier when you're talking between different languages and in different you know programming styles? Yeah, so the main benefit that this came to us, for example, we were dealing with a project for with a company who had a lot of different companies. And those different companies uh, have the, every every one of them have different technology stacks. So some of them are using Java, some of them are using C, some of them are using, I don't know, different technology. So in order for us to basically not have to write a lot of clients, which is basically for every single of these technologies, we utilize gRPC. We had to write clients in those languages, but utilizing the same gRPC technology. So that facilitated a lot for us in order for us to make to make them all compatible under the same for under the same umbrella. But on the other hand, it created again that dependency that whoever maintaining that needs to know that language itself. If, we, for example, we have built it within Rust, that will have been much more easier. But uh, the downfall of that, we did not have the same capability that we needed with the JRPC, which is basically the streaming, which is re- we really needed to, have, to to be there. So, if you were building a project for yourself, or you know, you're pursuing a startup or something, given the choice, would you? And, and I know there, right? There are all kinds of qualifications and reasoning. But yeah. would you prefer to use REST, or would you prefer to use gRPC? At this moment in time, I prefer to use REST. I will not go with gRPC just because of the level of complexity that's going to add. Uh, you know, if it's, for example, if we're like a few years from now and a lot of that developer development team is familiar with it, I'll be like, yeah, let's just gRPC. But that learning curve that a lot of the developers will have to go through on understanding, for example, how the protobuf file works, how, for example, utilizing streaming, how they, how that will work, implementing as, as simple as authorization, authentication, that learning curve is still, is still a bit steep at this moment in time. That's why we'll go with Rust. Unless you yeah, really I can see that. Those functionalities. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, because right, uh, it's most.NET developers know Rust and they know CRUD. Yeah. And and I can I see, I can certainly see the benefits, well. but it yeah, it's it, it's obviously more complex. So yeah, I feel one of the main benefits of it, and th- that's again, if you're using mobile apps. I think gRPC with mobile apps could be really beneficial, specifically for streaming. I don't know a lot of a lot of people like to watch content, and that content right now is like basically why most people have mobile phones just just can watch content on that. So they're not utilizing it as a computer, more of like a media device. So I think that that's where gRPC is gonna shine in the future. I don't think uh, right now they are being taken the full mm. it's being utilized for its fullest. Do you think it's being used by companies like? Disney or Netflix or Twitch or whatever? Well, honestly, I'm not sure because <laughs> uh, they like to keep sometimes their stack really. Like, oh, yeah. No, they, <laughs> they don't want you to know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But I know that, for example, I think Netflix was experimenting with something like that. I think it was some kind of an open, you know, how they do like uh, hack, uh, hackathons inside big companies. And basically, they utilize the RPC implementation inside of there and it grew a bit. But I'm not really sure if it's utilized across their different streaming services across the world. But I know it's somehow way and form it's being utilized there. So since since gRPC is uh, binary, it's a lot more performant. So I think really if you need that high performance, yeah. lots of data coming into your system, yeah. then I think 
gRPC might be a good alternative and worth that, you know, extra time and an overhead just in the setup. I see. So I think for just... Yeah, like think about the stocks market when, for example, a millisecond can make the difference between losing millions and winning millions. So that's where, for example, where I think gRPC is going to beat rest any time of the day. Yeah, so for, for, for everyday applications, just forms over data and things like that, I think it's still probably best to stick with rest. Yeah. And rest is, is it's gonna be here for a long time. It's not gonna go any. Uh, it's not gonna go out anywhere anytime soon. Just because this new technology just came uh, came out of nowhere. You know, it's interesting because I had one of our business managers. Right, we're we're spinning up some new apps and we're going to start using Blazor WebAssembly. And they're like, they're like, so are we going to be using REST? Um, is there a new version of REST? And we're like, no, no, REST is it. <laughs> Right. Let's let's keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. Right tool for the right job. Yeah. So, what type of the tech stack do you guys do? Uh, like, what type of project do you work on day to day? For yeah, me, uh, the company I work for, I've been with them almost a year now. It's travel management for larger companies, and they contract with our company, and they do all of their hotels and airplanes and everything through us. Right. And we help manage it. But our tech stack is honestly a little nasty. It's grown organically. It's primarily .NET, but it's a mix of, you know, web forms and MVC and .NET framework and some .NET core. And we have like 50 something services running out there, which is way too many. So we're starting some new applications in Blazor trying to use right current practices and patterns and move some of this technology forward. So. Yeah. So what are the things about gRPC uh, might we want to know about that we haven't covered already? So I think gRPC is a gateway to what the future can hold to us. I think it's a very strong tool. I think its adoption rate is still uh, a bit low to the complexities that we have uh, spoke of. More the the thing that I think which is started off from the rest is the speed as well as the different platform compatibility, which is really a key thing. I think one of the main things that anyone who's thinking about learning gRPC is they need to learn if do they actually really need it if they don't have a lot of because it's not about themselves who's gonna be actually doing it. The source code is gonna go from you to someone else to someone else to someone else. And that and that handling handling of the source code or for example, handling any issues with the box that might come out of it, is it gonna be as easy for them to debug it as for example Rust? So you, they need to like weigh in all of these pros and cons. Not, not just because a new technology is there, it means that's the right technology. Every technology has its own use cases. And I think uh, based on that, they need to decide on uh, on this. And I think one of the main things that anyone who is interested in gRPC or like they want to experiment, it's ahead of the curve when it comes to HTTP. So any of the new features that or all of the exciting features in HTTP that they want to use, our gRPC will have it. So jump on board. Uh, Rust will not have it for a long, long time. Well, well actually, do you, because uh, we were just talking about how Rust is going to be around for a long, long time and, and it's reliable. You can always, you, you know, most people already know it kind of thing well in terms of grpc do you reckon we're still that kind of one of those cutting edge technologies that may or may not have a place in the future um or do you reckon it's kind of mature enough that you know if you learn it there will be niche use cases that will always be around like well is it going to get superseded is there any threat of it getting superseded anytime soon 
it's supported by the uh, Native Cloud Foundation, so it's not going to go anywhere. So it's basically like Kubernetes in its infancy. It started small, and then it grew and grew, and now, right now, even uh, any company wants Kubernetes, even though they don't need it. Oh, I want my service running Kubernetes. <laughs> they don't really need Kubernetes. So I think gRPC is going to go the same trajectory. So it's it's going to grow and grow, uh, and don't, it's supported by Google. So it's even Google in the name, G, mm. gRPC. So <laughs> based on that, you know that it's going to here to stay. And... Uh, Again, it's gonna. I think more gonna be more towards into some niche markets, banking, mm. medical. If they really need high, high, uh, low latency data, it could be in gaming even, uh, because you know, like uh, specifically when it comes to those competitive games, one one uh, mouse move it could mean the difference between winning a match and losing a match and winning a lot of money. <laughs> so uh, I think that's where it could be in there. That's not gonna go anywhere soon. Uh, it's not gonna go anywhere. It's always a bit of a gamble, isn't it, when you take on a new technology. No, invest all that time and then yeah. feel sorry for the Silverlight developers, I guess. So. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking Silverlight. <laughs> yeah. I miss Silverlight and I miss Windows Phone 8. I think it's a lot easier to set up gRPC if you're going like uh, server to server rather than if you want to go from uh, like a browser or thing like that Client to serve. to back end. So you yeah. might, if you need yeah, to go so communicate uh, server to server, I think gRPC might be a little bit easier to, to set up. But I think still, if you got to go from uh, a yeah. browser to a server via gRPC, I think that's still a little much to set up. Yeah. If you have, for example, background services which communicate with each other, they don't really, no one needs to interfere between them. I think gRPC is a good call for that. Okay. Microservices. Maybe. All right, great. If there's no other no other questions, uh, I think we'll move on to picks. Pretty good. All right. All yep. right. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. I'll go first this week. We have been watching a new Amazon series called Reacher. So you may be familiar with the movies and maybe the books. The movies used to be with Tom Cruise, but Tom Cruise is not in the Amazon series. So... Yeah, we've been watching that lately. We actually been binge watched it in just a few days, so it really kind of kept our attention and wanted to see the next episode. It might have done a little bit with the uh, the main actors, like six four two fifty and built. So maybe my wife, you know, just wanted to watch that part of the show. But you know, I think the the storyline and everything else was was real interesting. So if you're looking for a new uh, show to binge watch or catch up on, uh, and you have an Amazon Prime membership check out the their series on reacher so it's a series uh eight episodes in series one and then we'll see when series two comes out yeah they've already uh greenlit a second season and and uh, i've watched the first episode and i've seen posts saying where fans are much happier with their casting choices because the main actor fits the actual character from the books so yeah, it's been good so far. Part of it, you know, part of his uh, character is actually kind of hilarious. So that's, uh, I I know exactly how he yeah. was uh, behaving to a lot of these things, and I actually spoke his lines because that's kind of the way my my brain works. Some of his <laughs> lines that we're speaking, so cool. that worked out well. All right, Caleb, what's your what's your pick? So my pick is a new game coming out from Amazon. Well, it's new for us for the US. It's a Korean MMO that's been out for like four or five years called Lost Ark. And it's just now releasing in 
like Latin America and Europe and the U.S. And so my pick is Lost Ark, and it's free to play, and it's very popular MMORPG, but it's Diablo style. So it's top down, interesting aesthetic, but it's been fun. Yeah, I've only played it a couple hours, but I'm enjoying it so far. Nice. All right, why? What's your pick? So my pick this week is actually a um, it's actually like a like a company I think, but I think they they've got this YouTube channel. Um, they're called Pragmatic Works, and because you know how I've been doing all that power platform stuff lately, they're like a they're like a training company, but um, they give away these these like three hour kind of like training courses. Um, they they live stream them, but I I usually just watch them like afterwards type thing. And um, yeah, it's really kind of professionally run, and it's just like. They'll just take you through essentially like a particular concept and it, they go for about three hours. But yeah, I, I just thought that, you know, because Power Platform is actually pretty big. I haven't, you know, very few people have done like entire, all of it. So for me, it's, it's kind of just cool to just pick one topic, or whatever, and just go for a, a deep dive and just um, watch them explain it. And it, because it, goes, it takes three hours, you can also follow through and, and follow through the demo yourself. So yeah, it's helped, it's, it's helped me learn a couple of new concepts um, lately. So. All right. All right. Mohammed, uh, do you have something you want to let our listeners know about that's been interesting to you lately? Well, this week, uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure if anyone followed Formula One. Uh, they started releasing this new car for this new upcoming season. So this week's been really exciting. And the season's going to start uh, next month after last year's controversy. So it's going to be an exciting uh, upcoming week, to say the least. I don't follow um, Formula One. What was, what was last year's controversy? Um. So uh, at the end, uh, at the, uh, in the last race, on the last lap, the racing director decided that he wants to change the rule. And basically, that person who was leading the race for the entire 57 laps lost on the last lap <laughs> because that racing director changed the rules on the last lap. And it is sparked a lot of controversy. And basically, the main opponent won because of that rule. And now there's a lot of controversy saying that, oh, this race director basically changed the rule to make the other team win, so on and so forth. Yeah, I don't know how so, you can change yeah. the rules right yeah. in the middle of the race, you know. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's the point. Yes, there is a lot of controversy about that. Yeah, mm. and uh, yeah, I'm a big supporter of uh, Mercedes, uh, Mercedes and Hamilton, and we lost, and it has been really affecting us <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the last couple of months. So hopefully next year is we're gonna get our eighth world championship. Hopefully. All right, Mohammed. So if our uh, listeners have questions and they want to reach out and get in touch with you and and uh, maybe learn some more about GRPC or other things that you do. What's the best way for them to yeah. get in touch? So the fastest way is Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, which is under MOE23. That's my uh, Twitter handler. If uh, they want to learn more about me, they can go to my website, uh, mohammedlawan.com, or they can check my YouTube channel as well. I reply to comments oh, as much as I can there as well. I think this is the best. Way. Okay, great. Great. If our listeners want to get in touch with the show, we'd love to hear from you. They can get in touch with me on Twitter. I am at .NET Superhero. And I'm at Caleb Wells Codes. Okay. Thanks, Mohammed, for coming on the show, talking to us about GRPC. Yeah. It was a good discussion. Thank, thank you. you very much for having me. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. It's my first podcast. So I'm very excited. You did really well. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been fun. <laughs> I was a bit nervous, to be honest. <laughs> no problem. Right. No problem. All right. All good. Thanks, everybody. We'll catch everybody else on the next episode of Adventures in.net. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.